Welcome to episode 27 of True Crime, True Mind, where we dive deep into the analysis of true crime, uh, literature, documentaries, artworks, and even television. We are your hosts, Kendra, Macra, Abby, and Francisca. All right, now that everyone's introduced themselves, today we have a true crime book by the late author Michelle McNamara. She wrote I'll Be Gone the Dark, One Woman's Obsessive Search for the Golden State Killer, which is also an HBO documentary, which you guys can check out. Uh, this is about a violent, a violent predator who committed at least 13 murders, 50 rapes, and 120 burglaries, burglaries across California between the years of 1974 and 1986. This book is truly gripping, and it captures the horrors as well as the troubles the Golden State Killer, who thankfully was eventually caught and identified as Joseph James D'Angelo, and he was arrested in 2018. He inflicted much pain on others as a part of this case, which includes the victims, communities, detectives, officers, and even Michelle McNamara herself. Golden State Killer caused much harm and atrocities among everyone involved, including the author of this captivating book, because she worked closely with the detectives trying to find who this man behind the mask is, the man who falls behind the curtains and into the dark, and he thinks that he'll never be found. He's prowled the nights for too long. Michelle has been obsessed to identify him. She's devoted the last few years of her life to give closure to herself and the victim's families. Unfortunately, Michelle passed away before she could finish the book and witness the arrest of Joseph James D'Angelo. She tragically passed away in her sleep on April 21st of 2016. Her husband Patton Oswald recalled that she had trouble sleeping in the past, so she took Xanax to help. Her autopsy later revealed that she had an undiagnosed heart condition which contributed to her death, as well as the drug overdose on Adderall, fentanyl, and Xanax. She was only 46 years old, but her loving husband, Oswald, Paul Hayes, her researcher, and Billy Jensen, a crime writer, helped finish her book. What makes it tragic was the fact that Michelle's goal was to see the killer and sit face to face with him, to finally capture the man who terrorizes California State. All Be Gone in the Dark is truly a fascinating and gripping book that is well written and captures the hysteric essence perfectly. Okay. All right, well, let's dive deep into the dark with Michelle and see why her aspects um, of imagery and tone and syntax um, that make this book so captivating to read. And well, how does she does it? Well, Michelle McNamara, the author of I'll Be Gone in the Dark, suspensefully and unnervingly shares her obsessions with the serial rapist and murderer known as the Golden State Killer to the world through dichotomy, analogy, and cause and effect statements. Yeah, unnerving is very correct. 
An aspect that adds to the hysteria of this book would definitely be the shocking and dramatic syntax. Don't you agree? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Yes. At the end of each chapter, if you haven't noticed, and the end of each like paragraph, she drops like this mic drop, this like this bomb, really. Yeah. Um, with these short sentences, and um, the whole point of these short sentences is really to um like let the reader absorb all that's been going on and she does this by bringing in the emotions of despair and fear um as well as kind of uh throughout especially at the end of the book um justice this feeling of justice and relief if you remember um on page 132 um michelle mcnamara describes the lives of debbie and sherry and she if you guys agree, she definitely, Debbie and Sherry definitely had a rough mother and daughter relationship. Yes. 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 And in fact, um, they had this big argument one night and many mothers and daughters, I'm sure, have arguments before, right? Mm -hmm. But this one time, this one night when they had an argument, Debbie was in so much distress that she decided to run away. But the most terrible part of this um, whole chapter really she came back to find her mother dead. Uh, yep. And yeah. the yeah. author, she, she ends that chapter by simply telling the horrible truth of it. What Michelle McNamara says is, the story rarely ends well for the beautiful teenage runaway. This time, it did. Not being home saved Debbie Domingo's life, end quote. So the author tells the horrible truth of it, right? Mm -hmm. She says the fact that even though Debbie had this horrible and painful argument with her mom, she is still alive. She didn't have to have that fate or her, the same fate her mother had um, beca because of the fact that she didn't um, come home. But mm -hmm. it's so tragic and just despairing, right? Yeah, yeah. just kind of adds to the guilt that like maybe the reader will feel like honestly like like survivor's but, guilt like oh they, yeah like you lived and they didn't yeah exactly and the reason why the syntax is so powerful here is because the author wants you to feel how debbie feels don't you agree yeah um an example of these curtain revealing and shocking sentences would be on page 116 when mary hong who is a criminalist on the golden state killer case she was testing a dna profile of janelle Janelle Cruz's killer and she found that all the cases are actually linked um, and the author grasps this shocking moment um, with a quote that says Mary Hong has a scientist's dispassion and isn't easily shocked but the Harrington Whitson and Cruz's matches dented her composure she stared wide-eyed at the spreadsheet that's unbelievable she said to her computer screen end quote Wow, that is yeah. definitely, yeah, that's definitely a reveal. That's a backdrop. It really shows how, like, how serious the situation is, especially when she adds that the criminalist, Mary Hong, isn't usually shocked. Yeah. So when she found out that, oh, my gosh, all these cases are actually the same killer, that's, um, that's definitely a feeling um, of, I guess, suspensefulness. And the yeah. reader, I mean, the author 
definitely she just shuts it down right there and yeah. it's starting a whole new chapter and so that's one way to really end a chapter right okay so kind of bouncing off what Macklin has said about the syntax McNamara adds these details that come from the victim's perspective and what they had to endure as a result of the senseless killer um Macklin mentioned Sherry and Debbie and their relationship you know their mother and daughter issues but in the book McNamara adds a detail about what Debbie's last words were to her mother. She says, why don't you just get the hell out of my life? And for me, after reading that, that detail, because like you think like it's something so minuscule, but to read it, it puts you in the shoes and the perspective of what the victims had to endure. Yeah. And a lot of these were just reminders of how they were once living their lives. And then a second later, we have a, a serial killer rapist like decides to take away everything that, you know, they see as like the regular day life. Franny, were you going to say something? Yeah, I was going to add like a quote that I had read while, you know, reading the book. Mm -hmm. She quotes, uh, the blood under his fingernails wouldn't come out for days. Finally, he told himself he had to pull it together. He had in his possession a small object he had to give to CSI, something he'd found under the bed, something they'd miss, a piece of Manuela's skull. And that was on page 16. And that's, the story of Drew, who mm-hmm. offers to clean up the, the crime scene of his deceased sister-in-law. And just the wow. details of cleaning up, like, the blood of his brother's wife. Yeah. And the fact that the blood was stuck under his fingernails. Oh, man. It just reminds him of the horrific scene that he had to see. And, like, the fact yeah. that that tragic moment is just going to, like, live with him forever. Mm-hmm. And even having it, like, in the beginning of the book just like throws you in not even like feet first they just throw your head in there yeah. oh yeah yeah it, it actually um she actually mentioned in that in that chapter that the reason why he had to clean up his own family's blood is because this was before they had crime cleanups um so the victims literally had to clean up their um family's blood and he even said that um he found a piece of like her flesh under the bed which is just so horrifying yeah. So not only is there a uh, type of uh, gruesome uh, type of details and heart-wrenching ones, it also comes paired with uh, a chilling and unnerving uh, type of imagery uh, throughout the book. Uh, She uses the chilling imagery in order to create an ambience or ambiance that us as readers can visualize. Uh, Like I said, uh, when I was mentioning the book, like how like uh, I like to visualize when I'm reading and therefore feel the settings and the events, especially uh, uh, as the victims are going through all these uh, horrible events, like uh, uh, when you guys mentioned Debbie and her mother, just like those events. And then that just imagery that just describes it, it just truly just yeah. puts you in that situation Definitely. and makes you think like, wow, like I even have a quote on a page from page uh, 100, 177. Uh, I'll read it now. The things they see, headlights in an empty field behind their house where I shouldn't be. A man in a white shirt and dark pants climbing through a hole in a neighbor's fence at 3 a.m. Jimmy Doris, a flashlight beam in their bedroom window. A man in a blue leisure suit standing under a tree across the street staring at them. Mysterious footprints in the yard. A man bursting forth from the bushes and hopping on a bicycle. More flashlights in bedroom windows. Heavy footsteps on the lava rock path someone cutting through the window screen. And I feel like this really just highlights the absurdity of this killer. 
and just yeah. like just I guess like how scary it would be if or not scary but I feel like scary is kind of like underwhelming but very like just like horrific it would be yeah. like in yeah. the situation like someone just cutting through your window screen trying to smash through your window like yeah it shows that he's insane too so yeah truly yeah yeah it's kind of scary like yeah really <laughs> yeah just very chilling and just like hair raising like that yeah feeling. like just trying to imagine it is just enough like imagine it like actually happening that's just like crazy yeah yeah so actually, uh, I pulled a quote from Edgar Allan Poe, which uses it as well in his work. You know, he has like gothic works and uh, just the diction and details and just the imagery so like full in his text. So I put a quote from the House of Usher. Uh, uh, I'll just say it now. There was blood upon her white dress and the signs of her terrible efforts to escape were upon every part of her thin form. So yeah, yeah. this really just kind of just showcases just the chilling imagery. You kind of imagine it in your head the blood upon her white dress and just like yeah. just like her like just the signs for terrible efforts to escape like it was probably like mm -hmm. oh she was buried alive and you're kind of thinking like oh she was trying to get out and get out and get out and exactly. yeah it just really just showcases that yeah yeah and she says mm -hmm. like white dress so i yeah. think that's supposed to like you know how like normal their lives were and mm -hmm. you know you and now she has like blood it's like staining her life really and you know yeah, yeah. you can really see like a stain on her life mm. exactly yeah. yeah okay okay and so, um moving a little away from the imagery and the details and syntax uh the tone overall tone i feel of this book is it really showcases um michelle's kind of obsession that she has um she wants to know who this killer is she's like has the sleeping problems from like just staying up and trying so hard and her tactics create this obsessive tone that highlights the addiction herself as well mm -hmm. as the serial rapist mm -hmm. have even though they have different intentions they both are viewed as an obsession obsessive. Yeah. yeah and i actually have a quote from page 318 and it's from Michelle's husband. And it says, I was married to a crime fighter for a decade, an empathically for real methodical little gray cells, Great Britain type crime fighter. I saw her righteous fury when she'd read survival testimonies or interview family members who were still reeling from the retching away loved one. There were mornings when I'd bring her coffee and she'd be on her laptop weeping, frustrated, and word flat by another lead she chased that left her smashed nose first against a brick wall. Mm. And you can tell that she's just mm. losing herself a little bit. Mm. And it's visible in her writing as well. It jumps in um, from chapter to chapter and it's kind of a new idea each chapter. It's yeah. still spanning overall as the same, but you can see that there's so many different leads that she has to follow. Yeah. And yeah. her husband just shares this insight on what goes on behind the closed doors and it acts as a reminder of the effects that this serial rapist has on both the victims and the author herself. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, it shows, I guess, the you can say hysteria will it will drive you to you know yeah constantly working on this case day and night not non-stop mm -hmm. you know it's just actually about 
like all the way to the point to her death as well yeah Yeah. you could probably say that she worked herself to to death yes yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i mean i can't imagine it either like just like the mental like her like the mental capacity just to Mm -hmm. like work on something so like gut-wrenching and still not knowing like where the killer is or just the whereabouts trying to figure it out it's just like truly just yeah yeah, i can see yeah yeah yes and just oh sorry disappointing yeah yeah i was just gonna say it's like disappointing (laughs) for her since she couldn't get to see her exactly yeah Mm -hmm. and just this specific tone it just really draws in the readers you see how in depth and how passionate michelle was and you can see just how she was willing to do anything in order to bring this man to justice like he needed to be. And this book will also help you get into the mind of this murderer. And it reveals the maniacal nature that he has, Mm -hmm. especially through um, her even stating what the murderer says on multiple occasions. It really just feels too real. (laughs) And (laughs) their obsession with this case and their diligence just keeps you on the edge of your seat. And it's weird because it is in a suspenseful way, but you can see how important it is. So it just makes you just so engrossed and you just want to know what happens next. It's almost like the obsession is rubbing off onto you. Yeah. Yeah. And not only do you make connections with the uh, victims and the families in the book, but you also make a connection with Michelle herself and you just Mm -hmm. silently cheer her on from behind the pages. (laughs) I definitely agree. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, as we bring this to a close, um, what does the darkness of the story suggest about society? Yeah, um, I would say that the, I guess the darkness in this story kind of shows why we find this, um, I guess, attractive to read, right? What pulls us to this book? Mm-hmm. And I guess I would say, like how unnatural the situation really is, right? We don't hear, like we may, we hear it on the news, but we never, I guess, expect it to happen to us, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's what makes it hysteric because this irrational um, mind of a insane killer draws us into his motives. Like he has absolutely no reason to do this, but it, I guess it just drives us nuts to know like, okay, why is he doing this? How is he going to get caught, you know? Yeah, yeah just doing... like uh, McNamara's uh, obsession with it, too. Yeah, exactly, because what he's doing is just absolutely ridiculous, and it's horrifying. Mm-hmm. So we're drawn to those um, aspects because of how unnatural it is, and it, it kind of falls away from it's not, like, morally right at all. So okay. um, how does this uh, hysteria contribute to American myths and American identity? Well, if we're talking about hysteria and we're like talking about the time period we're in now, mm-hmm. we are going through a pandemic. And with that, and with like, you know, hysteria and people not being sure of the future. And like, I know at the beginning, a lot of people were like, oh, we don't know what's going to happen. It did drive a lot of people to make kind of like irrational decisions. Yeah. Like when people went to the grocery store and took a whole bunch of toilet paper. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Like the shortages that we went through and like the outrageous things that people, like the outrageous lengths that people went to yeah. to try to secure themselves, but also didn't think about the society as a whole and the rest of the people around us. 
Yeah. Yeah. Overall, hysteria just creates more problems than it fixes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a driving force, really. If it you is. Think about it. The fact that we don't have all the information is scary sometimes. So I think that's why. The unknown. Yeah, yeah. the unknown makes people run away with like irrational minds. Yeah. You can expand on the unknown of how it relates to the book. It's that what we don't know about this um, series, the Golden State Killer, is what frightens people the most and causes hysteria. And and you know myths start to rise, and people may start accusing each other, which did happen in the book. And you're right. Um, I agree with Abby on how hysteria only causes um, negative things to happen and more myths to rise and um, I guess more fears to be ingrained in people. Yeah. So why would we recommend this book to you guys? Honestly, I would so recommend this book because it's not just like a learning experience. It's also more of an eye opener. You see, because she adds so many details and you just see that these normal lives are being lived. And then just tragedy strikes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just awful. I mean, that that happens. But just reading this book, it allows it to feel like not through a TV screen kind of thing. Yeah. It feels yeah. more She brings it alive. Almost, yeah. Through her, um, I guess, her techniques, her mm-hmm. rhetorical techniques. Yeah, it's, not something that, it's not something that we see often. No. We don't really get news articles books from the perspective of the people researching it mm-hmm. yeah like a refreshing mm-hmm. thing to be able to be in the moment kind of yeah yes yep okay hey that so, ends that um this has been abby makra franny and kendra and we'll be signing off well i hope you guys enjoyed this episode of true crime True Minds. Minds.